Hi, you're listening to AWA, and today I'm with Chris, who is currently working as a senior marketing executive at Formula One. Chris previously worked in finance, but made the switch to pursue something where his creativity could be used more. Chris also has his own podcast called Crazy Brit Asian, where he talks all things Asian and more in the UK and beyond. He's had amazing guests such as current American artists like Dumbfounded and Rick Lee. Hi, Chris, and thanks for joining me today. Um, uh, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, uh, it's actually my first time I'm being interviewed for someone else's podcast, so it's uh, it's uh, nice to see a change. <laughs> yeah, it's like a switch, isn't it? Oh, and I'm like really excited to have you on because I feel like I have so many questions to ask you about what you do. But before we get rolling, can I please ask you to introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is uh, Chris, and uh, I, uh, as introduced, uh, work for Formula One as a senior marketing executive, and I also have a podcast called Crazy for Asian. Um, I'm originally from Nuneaton, which is a small town in the Midlands uh, near Birmingham, Leicester, Coventry, and uh, basically I grew up being the, well, actually, no, literally was the only uh, Chinese family in the whole town, and I didn't meet uh, any other uh, East or Southeast Asian people until I went to university. And um, work-wise, uh, I've worked in Hong Kong and New York, um, uh, and also and like currently work in London. Nice. Well, I can't believe like you were the only Chinese family there to begin with. Or have obviously, I'm sure you've seen people move slowly. Um, but yeah, how was that yeah, like? Slowly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like growing up, uh, like I guess as like the only like Chinese family, there was a lot of, um, I would say there was identity crisis early on, but I definitely hit when I went to university and I suddenly discovered that um, like the Asian culture is not just um, a white uh, mm. my family. Um, but it was, um, it, it, it was a kind, kind of challenging because I'd say, uh, you know, you're trying to like fit in with everybody in school mm. and uh, you're trying to like, kind of like be liked and things so that you you try to follow the trends and uh, like fit in with like the banter, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just a, it's something which takes a lot of learning. And um, like I would say, like now, I kind of know British banter, but I still don't, mm-hmm. and it's not exactly something which I want to perfect. Um, but then, yeah, it's like things like you know, trying to uh, if you wanted to talk about like I guess uh, like Asian issues or even. Um, like talk about like food or whatever, like you just wouldn't, you don't really have an outlet to talk about mm. it unless it's like with your own family, um, which like, again, I guess it's just like you're in a bubble yeah. and uh, yeah, those conversations are like, they're, they're not that wide reaching. So um, yeah, like, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it wasn't exactly um, that smooth, but like now um, like, as I've gotten older and I've met a lot of different people, we've definitely been able to like, explore that side of it and uh, so much so that I decided to like have a podcast. Mm, and I um, love the recent episode where you end with um, uh, you can't. It's okay to CBA about um, everything except for your culture, right? So yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, CBA about a lot of things. So, CBA about that's it. That's it. I love that. Yeah. So to start off with, Chris, um, I have to say, like. I, you know, I never used to watch Formula One before until I started watching um, the Netflix series, Formula One Drive to Survive, which my friend got me into. And ever since, you know, I've like been like this new fan, let's say, um, and I 
I, when I used to watch it, I was like literally on the edge of my sofa because it used to be so intense and I loved it. Um, so like, what has it been like for you working at F and F1 and what do you do? What's your role? If you could just give an insight into what you do, that'd be great. Yeah, uh, so I guess I'll start with um, what is that uh, I do and then go into um, like, what has it been like uh, working there. So what I do, um, so you know, as the title um, says, is senior marketing executive. But what I do is a lot more than just uh, marketing. I think it's kind of a mix of like uh, project, project management like, and uh, coordination. And um, the whole idea is when we put out a piece, when, when there is a new um, F1 product, um, for example, uh, F1 Fantasy, so that's one of the products which I look after. So um, we, there's a target to hit with that and uh, of like getting a certain number of uh, players into game. And uh, so when that target's set, it's uh, my job is basically to put out marketing campaigns uh, that actually get people to like get into the, to that game. But then um, that's just the first step. But then from that, um, we want to try and like lead them along the journey um, across like the whole of the F1 product portfolio, and then mm. ultimately get people to a Grand Prix. Um, so it's just coming up with all these various different like marketing campaigns and communications, uh, but then also considering like um, trying not to spam people or um, trying not to get people bored of like seeing F1 stuff. So it's uh, it's working with a very fine balance. But mm. then at the same time, um, you've got all of these different. Um, uh, different like pieces of creative, different insights which you have to consider, or like you have to consider like what audience you're going to. Because um, if you're talking to someone who doesn't want this or doesn't care about it, there's not going to convert. So there's no point talking about. So lots of different factors to consider, and um, also there's there's some pretty cool things uh, which um, I get to get involved with as well, or I like, kind of suggest. So it's like um, whenever I've got an idea, um, I can like suggest, hey, um, let's uh, let's try this out and. Um, you know, like see if it works. Like, uh, one of them uh, in particular is working with the partnerships team because like, they work with a lot of celebrities, they work mm -hmm. with like, music artists and things. And um, at one time, uh, well, because what I noticed is that um, we're not really reaching the Asian market right. and we don't really, we're not really in touch with a lot of like, Asian uh, celebrities or artists or anything like that. So I suggested to them, hey, this is there's a long list of very influential uh, like East and Southeast Asian uh, celebrities mm -hmm. who we need to be talking to. Let's get in touch with some of these. And um, uh, well, I guess right now I can't really name any particular names, but um, there's some like pretty big people um, in there who I'm sure is like familiar with um, our community. Which uh, yeah, we uh, we reached out to and like uh, started like trying to um, do something with. So. That's uh, pretty exciting. Um, in terms yeah. of what it's like working there, um, despite it being like 71 years old as a company, uh, it's still a very, very young company in terms of like the commercial side. So mm -hmm. the marketing team has only been around for three years. Um, wow, no way. That's insane. Three years. Yeah, only three years. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, and also our teams are like pretty small as well. And uh, one... I guess one great thing about us is that, you know, we've got such a strong brand presence and everything. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, you know, a lot of people, when we get in touch with them, they're like, oh my gosh, it's F1. And, uh, you know, we want to work with you guys. So we kind of have to like, leverage that to um, actually uh, like get, uh, well, 
get a lot of the like uh, negotiations of like um, you know the mutual like benefit because um, like to many people's surprise, uh, you know we we may have on screen and everything we may it may look like uh, F one is like like you know, brings in a lot of money, but our budgets are absolutely tiny. Right, interesting. Yeah, so it is. Um, it is kind of like working in a startup because yeah. everything's still so new and like we're still yeah. building processes as we go along, and um, our teams are extremely small. Um, but I suppose that's quite exciting because when you think like a startup, you um, have that flexibility to think outside the box and try a lot of new things in a way. Um, I know you still have to come from a business perspective, but as um, but I think it's just like you don't follow that traditional um, rule of what's, what's been done. You kind of get to start afresh when you're such a new, I suppose, team. Um, because three years is very, very young for sure. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's very interesting. And I mean, like, uh, I know you said what it's like, but like, how? What has been like your favorite moment um, since working for F One? Um, I would say so. One of the perks we get is we get get to go to the races. Oh man, <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Silverstone was my first uh, was the first race I ever went to, and I guess I was lucky when I joined because um, last season. Uh, as we know, you know, there's a pandemic mm. and we almost didn't have a season, but then they obviously, um, a lot of the races, they didn't allow fans. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so because I joined the year before, um, luckily, like, you know, everything was all normal and stuff. So, um, yeah, I think, um, like, so, so going to Silverstone, that was, um, that was mostly with, uh, work colleagues and it was still kind of work because mm-hmm. I host, um, our agencies and things. But when I went to Singapore, that was for fun. And, um, I, I mean, yeah, you know, that, that's kind of like a, a work perk. Um, mm-hmm. So... To be honest, um, yeah, I, you know, I was obviously doing some research on my guest and I saw some images where um, you had with, I think, a lot of the drivers like Daniel Ricciardo, um, yeah. George Russell, and I was just like, gosh, what a great perk to have. That's amazing, <laughs> insane, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I guess I was kind of lucky on that night because um, even though, you know, obviously I, I wouldn't for one and stuff, and so you, you, you would think like, oh, you get direct access to all of the drivers. Um, you That's actually not quite true. It's kind of difficult because um, like each team works as its own organization right. and um, they're kind of like under the umbrella of F1. So if you think about it, uh, F1 is like uh, the NBA, so it's mm. a mean and then it's got all of these teams playing within its league. Right. So they're all their own individual organizations. Um, and it just so happens that you know, they're all together at once um, every single um, like race weekend. Uh, so I was kind of lucky that I was able to meet those uh, guys because, um, so you know, like one of the perks of like this ticket is uh, I get to go for the whole race weekend, but I get access to the paddock area, which is where all of the celebrities and uh, the drives and stuff, like that's where they will hang out. And uh, I went on uh, the like night of uh, like free practice. So okay. after practice, they got to go for briefing, and there was and when that happens, like they all come out like their like um, like team garages and stuff, and walk towards the briefing room. So the way I got those pictures was like I saw them, and then it's like you know you have to walk alongside and like just take a selfie, uh-huh. and then uh, be like, okay, thanks, and then, like, <laughs> move on to the next person, um, and then like yeah, like you just. You just try and catch everyone as they go. Mm. And I think stupidly, there were people who I didn't 
didn't catch because I thought, oh, they're, they're like not a big deal or whatever. Like, so Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz, I saw one of them. So, eh, no, I'm okay. Oh, no. Yeah, Sergio <laughs> Perez as well. Like, and I was like, eh, I don't really care. <laughs> but now I'm thinking like, oh, man, this is an idiot. <laughs> like, you should have. <laughs> yeah, should've. yeah. Um, but you still got some great images nonetheless. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. And obviously you have all these perks and it's great. Um, but like, what about the challenging aspect? And so what have you been, like, what have you found that was quite challenging when you worked, um, when you're working in with F1? Uh, I'd say the biggest challenge is definitely, um, that, well, first of all, our team is like super small. So, um, in my team, it's just me and my manager. Mm, wow. Um, okay. And, yeah. We're doing customer marketing slash fan engagement for, the whole work mm. um so you know having a lots and lots of like new projects come on and because we're such a like a dynamic team um you know we want to like, do so much um like the the work keeps on like piling up yeah. and you've always got to like be on your toes like thinking uh like outside the box dynamically mm. like you know what can we do to like um bring more fans in and things and um like when i guess like because there's so many of these like new projects which come up um, like the biggest challenge is definitely, um, like I guess one is definitely like how uh, you get a lot of curveballs, but then second is um, you know you have this new idea and like it's how do you formulate this into an actual thing to then be like uh, successful and actually like, push it out. So you're actually creating processes and trying to create something as you go along. There isn't like a like a set blueprint of like, yeah. how to do this. And, um, you know, if you want this to, like, be successful, you need to, like, get these lofty uh, targets and stuff. But at the same time, you've got nothing to, um, to like... Benchmark it or, yeah. 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 yeah, so a lot of it is, like, um, kind of, like, test and learn as you go along. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would say last season, um, like, last season especially, because, you know, no one dealt with the pandemic before ever. Yeah. And it's like, okay, how do we, like... Um, get fans that I still be interested even though they can't go to races. So uh, one of the projects which um, uh, which I, I worked on and uh, kind of lead on is something called virtual autograph sessions. Okay. And um, that basically allowed fans to like have uh, like Zoom calls basically with, uh, with drivers. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so like, um, like again, like this, uh, this was never done before because, you know, Zoom calls were never thing mm. until like last year. And one of the biggest calls to go into a race is getting the chance to meet drivers and like getting merch signed and stuff. So um, it was like a massive effort between me and uh, someone in the events uh, team to actually like pull this together, arrange it with all the teams, and like um, have like set up all of these calls. And um, yeah, we just made a, a lot of fans very very happy, and yeah. also um, like the, the drivers really um, liked it as well. So I was able to sit in on all of these Zoom calls. Oh, nice. And, like, you know, just watch these, like, fan interactions and yeah. stuff. So, That's yeah, amazing. like, um, sometimes, like, the challenges, they, like, pay off and, like, you know, turn into something which is, like, really, like, rewarding. So, exactly. Um, yeah, I guess that kind of uh, is, like, a mix of um, one of the biggest challenges in it, but then also one of the uh, like, coolest, like, things which I've like, done. Um, so I want to ask you, then, how did you get in? Obviously, it's a very new team. So was there that opportunity for you to put your foot in like just as it was opening up this role or did, I know what was the process like for you to kind of um yeah like apply and get into the team so um one big thing which I noticed uh, since working there is that um it's definitely a place where you need to know someone in order to get in mm -hmm. because the way which I got in was um so my 
So when I worked at uh, BT, which is at the previous company before right. I moved over to F1, um, uh, my, my first marketing manager there um, is now my current uh, manager. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, okay. so first like, he left BT to like join F1 uh, and everything. And then about like uh, a year or so later, um, like because um, I thought, okay, well, I can't pick up everything that I can over here at BT. Mm-hmm. There isn't really much else for me here, and um, you know, like um, you know, I'm I'm ready for a change. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to uh, to him because I, I knew that he was uh, he was looking for something. Um, like well, about but before um, well, when he first left, anyway, like, I knew that he was like um, looking for someone, right. or like there was a like, sponsor team and things. Uh, so like I reached out to be like, hey. Just wondering, like you know, do you like still need somebody, or like um, is your team expanded enough that like you can take someone else on? And um, like because uh, because like we've worked together before, and uh, like he's he's seen what um, what it is that I can mm-hmm. do. Um, like we he he really helped me a lot with actually like getting the job. Yeah. Um. So you know, coaching me through um, like the like presentation um uh, building, and then also like the interview process and. Um, more or less like telling me like what kind of questions they're going to ask mm-hmm. so it was really really helpful and then basically uh, at the end of it uh, I was able to get the job nice. so um, yeah it definitely is very much um, a case of like if you know someone it's um, that's probably how you got it mm-hmm. and um, yeah like now they, they do post up uh, a lot more roles right. uh, on LinkedIn and things but before that like it was very much um, all like uh, internal and yeah. yeah people just like so I suppose like the relationship relationship you had with your manager was quite good in the fact that he you know trusted you and brought you along and I suppose what you're also saying is that I suppose networking is pretty important um, because you never know like who you might meet and how you might kind of end up working together in some sense even if you I suppose for not for everyone I suppose a manager might not be the case but it might be someone that they know um, that could bring them along. Yeah, but obviously, exactly. like, you've got a great record. That's the reason, like, he's brought you along. He wouldn't have brought you along if you didn't, like, have a proven, like, experience. Um, that was, I'm sure, great. <laughs> so nice. Yeah, I mean, um, we we actually didn't work together for that long. Um, like, it's maybe, I don't know how many months, but, like, um, definitely wasn't, um, like, uh, I don't even think it was half a year that we worked together right. uh, before, like, he left F1. But I think, like, I'm sorry, before he left PT to yeah. join F1. But, um, yeah, like, before, um, I think it was just during that short period of time, um, like, he saw, like, uh, the, the quality of work that I did. And mm-hmm. also, um, like, when I was at BT, one thing which I did was um, actually, um, like, do a campaign for uh, the NBA. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Because um, like, it was one of the sports which we had um, as part of, like, BT Sports. But then, like, all we ever spoke about was... Um, like football and rugby right. and it's like okay we have the NBA coming to London like NBA London why the heck are we not talking about it and basically my whole my whole thing for doing it was like I want to take it to the game mm-hmm. um, because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so then that's kind of like why I just uh, I said hey we should do this these are the reasons why it would be great blah 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 but then like the, the like main motivation yeah. was I want to take it to the game yeah, and, yeah. Uh, in the end I got it Nice. Yeah, but then it was like I worked with him to actually like get that off, and then um, a few other like uh, things um, like after that. So then I guess he saw that oh okay he can like think outside the box and mm. um, like bring something in which isn't part of like the I guess the setup roadmap. 
yeah. yeah I love how your interests have kind of driven you to do what you do in a sense even if it's like interior motive but it's actually been beneficial for the company so you know what that that's even like better um what advice would you like give to people wanting to work in the sports marketing media industry um you've obviously kind of, i know bt was not obviously sports um industry but um it seems like you've always had an interest in sports um would you say that's important and what other qualities would you say are important yeah uh i'd definitely say that um well i guess for for any job um out there like uh, experience um, is obviously like uh, number one um, so, and, and I think more so in uh, marketing as well. So, um, you know, a lot of times, um, because marketing is so competitive, yeah. um, a lot of times when you apply to places, um, you always uh, get the response of, oh, we can't have more experience, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think, um, like, for, uh, well, for sports anyway, like, you don't have to have, like, that big of an interest in sports because I know that there's some people who work for us um, who, um, like you know, they, they they only know so much, but um, it definitely does help. It does it definitely does help if you have an interest in sports, and uh, because that way, I guess you kind of like uh, know like you know what works for sports fans and things like that. Um, and yeah, like you know, having having um, I think personality um, is also like a really like, big thing for marketing as well because nowadays I think it's more about the fit mm. because um, like if you can't. Um, interact uh, well with like the people you're working with, then it's going to be very difficult to actually get something out. Um, so yeah, um, like I would say, um, having a having an interest in sports definitely helps, um, even if it's like wider sports as well, um, because that way you can see what other people are doing and then like take inspiration from that and apply it to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, so also yes. like the uh, personality fit um, yep. and having an eye for creativity that also mm -hmm. uh, like helps as well and um yeah i think those are those are probably like some like the main things that mm. you need to um like have as part of your repertoire to like um, like to i guess try and get into sports marketing but then yeah very importantly always try and think outside the box because of like how creative the um uh how great like the marketing industry is mm -hmm. um, if you can like get those ideas which are different then like um, you can like definitely like do something different and uh, like get more eyes onto it because um, I guess you know there's there isn't really another like work department um, which brings like a viral moment yeah. to market but you know very, very difficult to like, uh, get something like that in finance because um, unless like, you know you did something like terrible and like, you like you know crack completely crashed the market yeah that's <laughs> viral but like nobody really wants to do yeah. that yeah exactly so that's interesting because obviously you worked in finance right yes and you switched because you wanted something more creative um can you just briefly kind of like um tell us what you did do and how you how was the transition for you and um how easy was it to transition from a finance to marketing um sector um yeah so for uh, well i guess how i got into finance was actually part of this um exchange program called the mount Patton program and that's uh, kind of like what brought me over to new york so um, the program is basically uh, you study part-time for a uh, postgraduate certificate and um, you but you work full-time at, uh, at a company out in New York so like uh, Mount Baden like, they sort out all of the like um, the visa stuff and right. then also they have like a pool of companies 
um, who like are like various different industries. The majority of them they were in finance, and uh, I ended up working for uh, UBS. Um, so yeah, I worked for UBS uh, in New York, and I was doing middle office um, uh, like um, trade uh, trade management. So um, a lot of times, so the basic like process of what that was was that um, the front office traders they like negotiate the trades mm-hmm. uh, and prices and things, and then uh, they uh, uh, they press I guess send so that it goes through, and then middle office which is where I'm at, we match up the prices, the quantities, and things like to right. run accounts, and then we um, send it off to the back office. So it was like managing trades, uh, send, making trades every single day, same day, different numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much, uh, um, but uh, yeah. So like, how I got into that was like through the program, and funnily enough, like I didn't actually study finance. Um, okay. I only studied like one uh, module in like in first year. Um, but like, but um, what got me into it, I guess, was more um, because I had like uh, operations uh, modules in my degree, but then also I did like an operations um, kind of uh, like internship as well um, over in Hong Kong. So um, it's like some experience in that, in that but um, I would say like you don't really need a finance degree to actually work in finance. Like uh, when I was at when I was at BlackRock, um, one guy from he had a degree in philosophy. Oh wow! So, yeah, like yeah. So um, again, it's like it's it's less about um, like what degree you study, but I guess it's more about like the knowledge um, that you have and things as well. Um, but yeah, like I guess what got me. Um, out of finance and into um, into like the more creative side of things and, and marketing things. Um, I guess it's it's simply because I uh, for New York like my visa ended at this one year program, so right. I moved back to the UK. Um, I contracted for uh, for UBS for about three months, and then I also contracted at um, BlackRock. So contracting it means that like you're you know at, at some point. If you don't renew the contract, then like your work kind of ends. Mm-hmm. So um, there were there were deadlines um, like involved in that, but then it was at that time when I just like realized this isn't for me. Like finance is something we should do for one or two years just to figure out like you know um, this is what I do for want to do for the rest of my life. Um, but yeah, because I realized like um, you know this isn't um, what I'm interested in, and this is like really like um, creative passion which I'm still. Um, like really, really interested in, and I want to pursue. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with the experience I have, let's try and move to something which is um, in line with that. Um, so, what I did was I actually applied to BT's grad scheme. Right. Um, yeah. So that's um, that's kind of how I got in. And um, with grad schemes, most of the time you need like, uh, well, you need to be like a fresh grad. So, like, you know, graduated and like within your first two years, then you can like apply. Uh, because I did the postgraduate certificate, that kind of renewed my like you know, graduate status. Right. So I kind of used that as like a loophole to actually apply. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, this is a grad scheme, and with grad schemes, um, there's rotations. So you know, eventually, I can rotate myself into marketing, mm-hmm. and then um, you know, um, from there, I can just go into like what I want to do. Um, so basically, yeah, I did that. Applied for it, got um, got accepted. And then um, it wasn't actually a straightforward journey into marketing because uh, the first role I was put in was um, customer experience for complaints. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So when I heard customer experience, I thought, oh, that's like UX, right? And no, then? Not at all. 
Uh, it was basically uh, by looking at like uh, all the reasons why people hate uh, hate us. Yeah, um, the complaints like, bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then it's just like you know trying to figure out like you know where um, the customers like uh, like experience through that. Like you know, okay, what can we do to like improve this journey? Blah blah. So okay, that really sucks. Like that was that was like my first rotation. Mm-hmm. After that, I went into something for, like uh, like transformations, which. Um, again, it was just like looking at processes again. It's okay, this isn't quite for me. And like, this was coming up to like a year uh, on that grad scheme. Right. So, um, but then like the, the, the people on the, on the grad scheme, um, I guess like the like, HR people, um, they were, they, they were like, kept on saying like, oh, but you know, there's going to be rotations. You get to rotate into that, get to rotate into that. People were getting like pretty frustrated and things. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, the rotations kind of didn't, didn't come. So, they uh, they said okay, um, you know, for your third rotation, where is it that you want to get into? Blah blah blah. And uh, they said, oh, we had a look at your CV, and we think that you'd be good for um, like a role in finance operations. And I thought I left the finance industry yeah. to join you guys on this grad scheme so that I could get myself into marketing. Yeah. Why would I work for you guys for a lot less? When um, I could just like leave and like, you know do same to, yeah do same thing mm. but for a hell of a lot more and then they kind of took that as like a, a little bit of a, like a threat that if we don't keep this if we don't give him what he wants he's gonna leave mm. um, because at the time uh, like they had like a full one hundred percent retention rate all oh, right no, yeah no grads in this intake um, had left so if I leave then that's gonna affect all of their bonuses yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I kind of like, uh, like, kind of like, talked my way into um, getting into like the marketing role, and like, basically they they, um, they they set it up so that um, like I could get the role, and then um, within that team, like the uh, I guess my head off, like she didn't even know that I, I was coming. Oh. Um, like, uh, yeah, she she didn't actually know I was coming. Uh, like, uh, like when I got the news that I, I was getting the role. So, um, so they, they set up the role and then kind of said, like, hey, you have to take this person on now. I said, oh, oh okay. really? Yeah. But once I got it, it was, like, completely, like, different world, um, completely changed and everything. And the funny thing is, it's like, um, on the floor where it's um, the whole marketing team, mm-hmm. it's all bright and there's, like, you know, these, like, cool, like, pictures and stuff everywhere. Mm-hmm. And on all of the other floors, it's just, like, really, like, grey and, like, plain. There's, like, like... There's these like boring, uh, <laughs> I guess like, uh, yeah, boring charts and things on the walls, or like you know, these boring like policies and stuff. And it's like, wow, it's a completely mm-hmm. different world. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess like that's kind of a, the way I transitioned into marketing. So nice. um, yeah, it wasn't as straightforward as I thought it would be. Yeah, and um, it did um, it did take like I guess some negotiations yeah. and going a little bit rogue by side. Yeah. But, um, no, yeah, but I I like that. I like that you stood your ground and, you know, you were firm with telling them, like, what it is that you wanted. And I think especially for graduates, like, they could be quite, because they're so new to the game, they might just have been easily swayed. But I feel like it's important to know exactly what you want and actually fight for it. Because otherwise, you're just, you know, letting someone else lead your I suppose career and your life in a way so yeah yeah that's really good um I feel like I've learned so much about what you do how you've like transitioned from finance to marketing and that it is possible to do it um and also the importance of networking and having good relationships um 
before I close, I do want to talk about your podcast as well, um, which for the listeners, um, Chris has his own podcast, like I mentioned before, Crazy Brit Asian. Um, and I, I just wanted to kind of understand like um, why you started this. I have um, watched your live stream with Dumbfounded and listened to the episode. Um, and I, I've heard that obviously he was a big inspiration um, for why you started it. But could you just expand on that? Yeah, um, so I guess like the main the main reason for starting it was, um, or I guess that like kind of what sparked the inspiration was that when I saw Dumb doing his um, with Dumb uh, like podcast, his initial idea was that he'd bring on a guest uh, every episode and uh, he'd like talk to them um, about I guess being in the industry which they're in and then like uh, the barriers which they um, came across mainly because uh, that they were Asian. So mm-hmm. yeah, majority of his guests they were Asian and like but they were all in the entertainment industry. So you had uh, various different music artists, you had uh, actors, and comedians, uh, those types of things. And uh, he was bringing on like these really big people as well, like um, Jay Park, Jesse, uh, Bobby Lee, who's like um, like a legend in the comedy space. So um, because he was bringing on these like, interesting people, like they were all. The, the common theme was they were all, um, I guess, Asian-American. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, okay, well, in the UK, I know a lot of like people doing interesting things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, they're not working your typical, like, uh, like I, I call it the holy trinity of uh, Asian careers, which is, you know, a doctor, a lawyer, mm-hmm. accountant, mm-hmm. or a finance engineer, blah, 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 all, all those things. Uh, and I thought, okay, like, I know just about enough people who, um, I could talk to about these things. Um, and then, uh, so that, that's just like one side of it. It's like, okay, you get a guest on, talk about their careers and stuff. But then also, um, I thought, well, uh, in terms of the British-born, uh, like, Chinese experience, uh, for me specifically, um, I think I've kind of, like, been through, um, well, I guess I've got, like, the traditional um, background, but then also my experiences of uh, living and working abroad I've got valid um, insight as well of like, you know, what is the uh, East Southeast Asian culture like, uh, not just in the UK, but also in Hong Kong and mm-hmm. also in New York, because they are very, very different. And um, so I thought, okay, I've got that as well. I also know a lot of people in these um, different countries. So you know, I'm getting them on and make my talk about like, different nuances and stuff. And mm-hmm. Also, like, they live in the UK. So it's not like, you know, they've yeah. never been here. So, like, they don't know what the life is. So um, I thought, like, okay, we can, like, talk about that as well. So slowly, like, just build up more of these, like, things for how this could be shaped. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the, I guess, other biggest things I noticed was that if you searched um, uh, British or, or Chinese or um, UK Chinese or some, some, something along those lines, you really don't find a lot of stuff, like, at least not back then anyway. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like, a lot of the, like, info was, was like, it was really dated or... Uh, it was produced by the BBC, and like the BBC, in my opinion, they're not the greatest um, at covering uh, culture. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there just wasn't like uh, any like real representation out there. And I thought, well, we've got this whole generation of people who like first moved over here, yeah. and like, you know, they, they set up all these takeaways and like, all of this background and stuff, and there's nothing out there about them. And also, um, like me being uh, like first generation British um, born Chinese. Um, again, like there's hardly anything out there about what we went through as well. Mm-hmm. Other than these like crappy drips and drabs on the, um, on on the internet, mm-hmm. done by the BBC. 
Um, but uh, yeah, so I thought, okay, this is going to be a lost piece of history if um, like no one talks about it. So I thought, okay, that's another motivation for this. So um, yeah, that's why I kind of like decided to go ahead and do my podcast and um, just like you know connect all of these dots together. Granted, like the idea was like way back in like 2018, but then I didn't do it until 2020 right. um, because you know pandemic came, gave me a little bit more time mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, also like because during the during the lockdown, I saw there these other podcasts coming out, mm-hmm. and their experiences were or their background was still like um, pretty different to mine. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, like you know, it's not that someone else is already doing it. Um, is that like um, I guess that there still was a gap which I could fill, yep. and then that's why I decided like, to go ahead and just like um, just do it as well. But yep. the other thing was um, I had a had a goal to basically release this before I would turn thirty. Okay. Um, yeah. So when I released it, it was like a week before I turned thirty. So it was got in there. <laughs> we need to do this. We need to do this. Yeah. So yeah, I just, uh, I, just, I just did it. So yeah, yeah. Like, multiple things which like drove to actually like getting this um, uh, like um, out on the blogs and actually like out there in the, mm. um, the like podcasting world. Nice. It's so interesting you talk about how you, you know, saw all these podcasts coming out during the lockdown, but there was still that story to tell. And I love that because I feel like there's so many stories that we have yet to hear and it's probably not already out there. And I love how you formed a community and how you're raising awareness of all these different stories. And I think it's also something nice to reflect back on because like you said, no one's recording them. Well, not enough or not accurately enough anyway. And coming from you yourself, it's probably more accurate and realistic and how it actually is than probably coverage from the BBC perhaps I don't know um but yeah I, I love that um I love the reason why you've started it and um I also want to ask you how was it like then um kind of getting that interview with them and you know how are you feeling like um so uh well so getting the interview with Dom uh, I think like at, at first, I didn't think that I'd be able to get it so easily. Right. Uh, I actually, um, I uh, well, just I think last night I posted a, uh, a video of um, like how, um, how that even like uh, actually like came about um, in the first place. But um, it, because um, like during his uh, podcast, um, especially over the lockdown mm-hmm. um, period, um, like he couldn't get guests on, so like he was just doing the podcast mm-hmm. uh, with his friends. Um, so like his co-host back then was Rex Dizzy and uh, Lyrics A.K. Brinkley um, from New Yards. And um, like they, at first it was just them having a conversation and then they uh, opened it up to actually having fans come on. Right. Um, so uh, like fans would they, they'd fall into the dis- uh, by a Discord and just like, have a chat about like, what the topic was that they spoke about. And because they're out in the States, um, these shows would be on like super, super like um, early in the morning. And uh, But luckily I was on furlough so I had the time ah, to like, stay nice. up with them. Yeah. And these, these, these happen on a Tuesday. So, you know, right. two, like if this was a normal um, working day, I definitely would not be able to like go on to these calls and stuff because it's like I've got work the next day. I'm not going to be like completely like, um, like super drained mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, so, you know, luckily times kind of align. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was, just, like, it was just like calling into the, into the show um, like uh, regularly. And uh, at first, I, I was like super nervous that I like, call in because it's like, oh, oh my gosh, you know, I'm gonna yeah. be dumb. It's like, like, wow, he's like, he's like uh, a, an idol of mine. Like, he's like uh, my like Asian uh, Asian hero. And um, you know, they were like, super like friendly and stuff. And it took a few calls actually, like, you know, 
get into, um, I guess, a, in, into a rhythm and actually, like, you know, be more comfortable with, uh, talking to mm-hmm. with them. Even now, I get, like, I still get, like, a little bit nervous. Um, but, yeah, uh, like, it was just, like, um, calling, calling in, like, a little bit more regularly, but it also just, like, um, just, like, chatting in the, like, uh, in the live chat whilst uh, the shows were happening. And, um, yeah, you know, just, like, you know, building that uh, relationship. Well, I, I say relationship, but, um, you know, it's just, like, he recognises, like, yeah. you know, who his fans are. And, yeah, like, oh, yeah, you know, he's been, like, showing a lot of support and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, like, you know, just, uh, they, were, I guess, were just giving back and, like, um, like recognising their fans and being, like, hey, you supporting us, like, for so long and in such a big way. But we've got to, like, you know, support you as well. So, um, yeah, yeah it's it just, again, networking, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and building up uh, that relationship. That's so nice. And it's so nice from their part as well to recognise that and, you know, um, like, get involved as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Um, gosh, I feel like your whole story has been, like, where you've never kind of given up and just kept going for it until you've kind of got it. Like, yeah, it's quite inspiring. Um, for the listeners, if you don't already know Crazy Brit Asian, do check him out. I'll leave a link somewhere in the description on my Instagram caption. Um, but, yeah, it's amazing. And um, I was just talking to Chris about his most recent episode about um, – how the Asian hate has kind of, you know, been in an increase, especially after the pandemic. And he's done an episode on that. So do listen to that as well. It's a great one. Um, And again, thank you so much for giving me some time, Chris. I know you've been really busy. um, And it's been so great to hear about what you do at F1 and your previous previous experiences. And I'm sure like some of the listeners who... um, are probably wanting to go to the marketing side or anything to do with F1 or even just like, you know, wanting to switch from finance have found this useful. Um, is there anything that, you know, you want to share before we close off? Um, yeah, so um, I would say that if, if you ever have the opportunity to work abroad, absolutely do it mm-hmm. uh, because it is life-changing. Um, I, I've done it twice and um, yeah, I can't recommend it enough. Um, and, uh, yeah, like another thing is, uh, we're, so we're building, uh, we're trying to build a community of connecting, um, uh, Asians in the UK, mm-hmm. uh, over on Discord. So, um, there's a link in my, uh, Instagram bio, which, um, go ahead and join the Discord. And, um, we're, 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 yeah, over on there, you can like connect with other Asians, but then also keep updated with, uh, I guess, um, things happening in the community. And uh, that all sparked off from Clubhouse as well. So again, right. if uh, anyone is on Clubhouse, then we hold uh, an Asians in the UK room uh, every Monday at 8pm um, uh, GMT. And um, exciting news as well, actually, like just uh, in the early AM of uh, today, like around mm-hmm. 2 a.m. or something, we officially got uh, a club for Asians in the UK. Ah, amazing. Yeah, so um, look out for uh, a lot more events and things on Clubhouse uh, in the UK club. Um, and yeah, join it as well. Yeah, that's great. That's amazing news. Um, yeah, I'll definitely be checking that out for sure. And like I said, if maybe I insert some links somewhere down in my description as well, that would be helpful. Um, but yeah, thanks, Chris. And um, obviously, you know, the season three um, F1 Draft to Survive is coming out soon, 19th of March, right? Yes, um, it is. Amazing stuff. And obviously, um, the races will be beginning as well, end of March. So. Um, 27th I believe 27th nice Uh, but thank you again Chris and it's been no uh, thanks a lot for having me and uh, yeah it was definitely a pleasure uh, speaking with you about all of these things and you're doing a you're doing a great thing as well uh, like you have an inside look 
uh, um, these various different careers. So um, yeah, like, definitely keep up on what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chris.